just he just said to me, you know, I don't, you know, my Bible doesn't say say I have to be a church member or I have to be a part of a church or that 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 I can worship God anywhere. I don't have to go to a church. And at that time, you know, early on, as first in the ministry as a youth pastor, I I didn't really have an argument for him. I was like. Well, it does, but I can't, like, explain it to you right now. I don't really, I'm going to have to go back and do do more studying myself, you know. Yes, you can worship God anywhere, but, you know, I didn't have a great concept about those things at that time. But I remember that conversation, and I had that exact conversation probably with a, a dozen people the first couple years I was in ministry, and it's never stopped since, that you have that idea or that thinking of, you know, there's, it doesn't say that in scriptures, but... I know this can be a real issue among people, uh, and there are other things that just hinder people from belonging and engaging in the church, and there are scars from past experience in church. Anybody here have scars from past experience in church? My hands, I'm not just doing this as an example. I I have those too. You know, anybody that's been in church for a while has experienced hurts in church, uh, because it's full of imperfect people. We talk about that and how those things are going to happen. It's not if something's going to happen, but how you handle it when it does and, and all those kind of things and, and just do, handling issues with integrity, those kind of things. And so we all have those past scars and certain issues come up about uh, membership or you hear about tithing or serving or commitment to the church or you just hear the word deacon, and it makes you some people cringe. You hear the word pastor, and it makes some people cringe. You know, you just go, oh, yeah, because we had that experience. I mean, I know even, um, you know, my dad talking about early on and experiences he had and used to be in church and money issues and people running off with money and things like that. And so there's, we've all had those experiences that cause us, when certain things come up, to kind of take a step back and go, I don't know about that. And it triggers that pushback from the table instead of leaning in. And you probably all know someone or maybe are someone who has said, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. My Bible doesn't say I have to be a part of a church. I can worship God anywhere, you know. And obviously there's something there that makes people say that. And those past experiences, I get that. And I think we all here know that the church is filled with imperfect people. And we get that. Um and always have issues to, to work through. But um, I know people get hurt deeply. And, it, and you get in, what happens is when those things happen, that whole fight or flight mode kicks in, right? When you have scars in church, you have issues in church, things happen. And by the grace of God and his mercy alone, I've been able to hold to the fact that I'm going to be, that I'm going to get back up one more time. You know, when those things happen, I'm, I'm going to fight, not flight is what I have determined and what God has given me. Not fight in the sense of knock down, drag out, I'm going to be mean or cruel or whatever, but I just think the church is worth fighting for. I think what Jesus is doing in the world is worth being a part of, even with imperfect people. And yeah, people have let me down, people have let you down, and we decide each time, do I abandon what I say I believe, or... Do I get better myself and go back in there and try to be a person who helps make it better? Or do I abandon this God and his word I say I wholeheartedly believe in? So what does he say about church and about church membership? So let me ask you to do this. As I talk about 
church membership and throughout this series as we talk about things, and I'm going to bring this back up every time. I'm going to say, hey, do me a favor as we're going through this. Think of, as I talk about the church on a large scale, as I, you could say the macro level, right? Can each of you sitting here today think, or if you're listening online through Facebook Live, can you think in terms of the micro level or you individually? So to this whole series, even when I say a member of the church looks like this, okay, would you say, so how am I doing and do I look like that? How am I doing with that? Okay, so, so as I talk about it on a big scale, we each look at it for me personally, and, and I, like I said, I'll repeat this, that through that, this series, but that, at, that way as I share Scripture, doing what I, sh- I should in sharing Scripture with you, and uh, would you apply it? And if, if I share the Word accurately, truthfully, and you accept that and say, how does that apply to me? then we, we all should move toward God. We should all move toward healthy church, not toward dysfunction and away from God. Okay? So now, where does it say that as a Christian, born again, redeemed by Christ's believer, where does it say that you're to be a member of a church? Okay? And you can say, well, it never says it directly, but it's amazing if you read, especially the New Testament, if you read it, like, you can't get past the fact that the New Testament just kind of ex- expects you to be. That it, it just assumes we're supposed to be. And it talks as though believers are just naturally a part of a local church. And it's basically through the entire New Testament, it just assumes it thoroughly. Okay? It is why we have a deep conviction at our church that membership is really important because it seems to be really important in the Bible, okay? Like, you can't read the New Testament and not get this understanding of people who became Christ followers were just, assumed, it just talks like there's those that are in the local church, community of believers, belonging and engaging and doing life together, and then they're, because of the language that it uses about, about certain things, and I'm going to go through those in a minute, but you see so many people look at church membership as they do other things in the world with this consumerism glow in their eyes, right? And they move from the from church to church whenever it suits their fancy as though there's something okay with that. Well, I'm, you know, because I'll talk to so many people that they'll even come visit here and, well, we're looking and, we're, you know, they won't say it. There's people that are shopping church, right? What suits my needs? Where, you know, very rarely do you meet somebody that says, we're just praying and maybe God will direct us to where we're supposed to be, and then if you're visiting churches in that mode, then that's different than, I'm just trying to see what, who has the best children's ministry, who has the best band, who has the best preacher, who has, who has all the things that I like, versus, okay, God, where do you want me to be, and where can I use my gifts and stuff, where are you sending me to be a missionary in my community, to use my gifts and how you've wired me to be, and, and so... And so people move from church to church whenever it suits their fancy. And a lot of people don't even think the concept of membership is even biblical, much less expected by God. So let's look at several things in the New Testament that you would have. You'd have to outright deny these things or dismiss them or at least really minimize them if there were no such thing as a local church membership. Okay? So let's talk about this. The first one is 
there's just an assumption. There's just an, well, not an assumption. There's an implied, a direct command to the church to discipline its members. Okay? So when you look at like Matthew 18, right? Verse 15 through 17. If you, you hear reference to, well, we went through the Matthew 18 process with someone, right? And how you handle uh, issues between people or someone that's in sin, that kind of thing. This is how you're to handle it. And it says in there, in Matthew 18, 15 through 17, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. Okay, so what do most people do, though? You know of something wrong with somebody, um, you know, like say Tony does something and, and I hear him say something or do something or I know something about him or I witness something that's a sin in Tony's life. What, what, what do people normally do? Do they normally go to Tony and have a private conversation, maybe say, let's go to lunch, or hey, you want to come by the house, or hey, can I come by and visit you and just have a sit-down, one-on-one conversation with them? No, that's not the normal way it goes or seems to go. What do people usually do? Like, I saw that in Tony, so I'm going to go find Brady and say, hey, Brady, I saw Tony do this, and I'm just, I'm just concerned about Tony. Well, you know, what do you think I should do about it? Let me tell you the whole story, and then you tell me what you think I should do when we know what we should do, okay, right? But I want to go get advice from about five or six different people so that when I go to Tony, I've got all these people that's already agreed with me, right? If I ever go to Tony, I, what I'm hoping is I'll go to the pastor and the pastor will go to Tony, right? But we, we, what, what it says we're supposed to do is person to person, whoever that's between, they're to go to each other and talk about it, Okay? When something's between person A and B, there shouldn't be person C and D and E. What happens is that becomes gossip, and now person A is just as wrong as person B, okay? And you get C and D and E involved, okay? Now, if you do that first, okay, it says, verse 16, but if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every act may be confirmed. So then at that point, if Tony and I sat down and we worked it out, and, and and he maybe I misunderstood what happened, and I say, hey, I'm sorry, I I interpret it this way, but if you say it's that way, and I get that, or if Tony says, yeah, you're right, man, that's sin, and I repent, I'm sorry, and I'll apologize and make it right, however I need to make it right, then we're done, right? But if he says, no, what you saw wasn't what you saw, and I know I saw what I saw or heard what I heard, and and he isn't willing to confess that sin, then I might go to Brady and say, Brady, would you come with me and talk to Tony? And then, then you go through that again. And it says, verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Okay? So here's the deal about when you read this, when it comes to church membership. I'm, you know, that whole process is a learning thing. But the basic of this is if there is no church membership, how can you define the group that will take up this sensitive matter of, of, charge, of charging the unrepentant person and finally rendering judgment about, about this person belonging to the church, okay? So when it says take them before the church, who, who do you take them before if there's no church membership, right? Who, who would that body of people be? So there's an implied, there's this group of people that is the church that you take them before. You know, I just don't call a public meeting and go, hey, whoever is a Christian in the community that wants to come, we're going to air Tony's stuff and talk about it, and y'all can tell me what we ought to do. 
No, it's there's an implied that there's a membership here that we deal with that with. Okay, Tony hadn't done anything, by the way. Okay, remember, this is just an example. Okay, so it doesn't need to be spread on through the internet that Tony's doing something. Okay, so there has to be. We wouldn't go through this process with just anyone who shows up here and says they're a Christian, right? So, like, like that's Tony. He, I know he, he's a deacon here. He's a member of the church. Okay, right? That some of you, as you visit the church, if there's somebody that's just visiting here, right? Am I supposed to just go, hey, I saw, I know that person did something or saw him do something. We're going to bring him before the church and kick him out of the church. Because they're sitting there going, I'm not even a member of the church. How are you kicking me out of the church, right? Like, that'd be weird, right? So there's a definable group of who's, who's part of the church and who's not, right? Okay? So that's just point number one. I mean, and I've only got like four or five things here this morning, but you can do this with so many scriptures in, in, throughout the New Testament and go, there's just an implied that, that you sh- there's members and not members, okay? So the, the second part is just the fact that removing from someone, someone from the church exists, just the fact that you can do that, which in the Catholic Church, you know, you've heard that word excommunication before. It's basically what it is. That implies there's a membership. Not just that there's this church group that's supposed to make judgment on that, but just the fact that you can do that. That there's, that there's this thing such as excommunication or putting someone outside the church. Look at 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. Okay? 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. It says, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. This is Paul, right, writing to the church. He says, I've, I've told you before, don't associate with immoral people. And he's, he needs to clarify something here. And this, I love this passage of Scripture because it clarifies something very clearly in how we as Christians relate to people who are non-Christians, okay? He says, I did not at all mean with immoral people of this world, okay? So he's talking about, I, I didn't mean... Don't associate, don't associate with people who are not Christians who are immoral people, okay? Or with the covetous or swindlers, people of the world, or with idolaters. For then you would have to go out of the world. In other words, there's a whole lot of lost people out there, and you'd have to not associate with really anybody if, if you can't go. You'd not be able to function in the world if you can't associate with immoral people of the world, right? He's saying, I'm actually saying you're going to have to need to be out there with the lost, and I would say if you went in deeper for Paul, it's because how else are you going to share the gospel with people if you're not a part of being around people who are immoral and lost, right? They're not the problem. They're the reason, remember? Okay? So he says, but actually I wrote to, not, wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother. I love that how he says so-called brother. If he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or swindler, not even to eat with such a, a one, okay? For what have I to do with judging outsiders? So it's, and, and this is what the church is often known for, right, is how we judge outsiders. But the Bible says we, we don't, that's not, we shouldn't expect non-Christians to act like Christians. Because that's not, that's not where we're, we're passing judgment. But the Bible does say, do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges, okay? They've got a judgment with God that's coming that's much more serious than whether they, you know, cuss, smoke, drink, chew, whatever it is, associate with those who do, however that goes, I can't remember. You know, they've got worse problems than what we think their problems are, 
They, they've got an eternal problem that's coming, and that's the issue, and God takes care of that. We're to love people, show them kindness, share the gospel. But those inside the church, well, you know, th- those people, the church has to look at and go, are you living an authentic Christian life? Are you living according to God's word? Not that you didn't once, not that you've not ever got drunk or, you, or you've not sinned, but remember it's about who you are. If you're being an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, a swindler, won't repent from those things and turn from it, okay? So it's a thing of if you mess up, we come to you, do the Matthew 18 thing. And if you repent and turn, all good, right? It, 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 but here in these passages, it distinguishes clearly between those outside the church and those within the church, church members, okay? And those to be put out of the church, the immoral brother who will not repent. Being in the church is definable, okay? The implications is that a person can be removed from being in the church, okay? Such a formal removal would not be possible if there were no such thing as a clear membership. Who, who is an accountable part of this body of believers, right? And who's not? I mean, you just, like I said, you was just somebody that shows up here and visits from time to time. You wouldn't just go to them and go, hey, church wants to meet with you. We're going to hold you accountable. They'd be like, I'm not even part of the church, okay? It doesn't work. Just going somewhere else. So right there is one of those scripture just addresses on a micro level, on a macro level. So how does this apply to you on a micro level? Just remember what I say in that. So as I say things like it defines who's an accountable member, right? So right there is one of those things. So you have to say, how am I doing with being held accountable as part of the body of Christ? How am I taking that? How am I doing with that? Am I okay with that? Do I realize the church is, suppo- is, has, is, is supposed to do that? So if I'm a member of this church, am I okay with somebody coming to me and going, how are you doing with this? What's going on with you? Hey, I saw this, and maybe Scripture says this, maybe you should go this way, okay? And, and that's a big reason. Like, I think this is probably that issue right there of being held accountable is, is probably a big reason, if not the reason, Someone excuses or denies church membership as being biblical because they don't want to be held accountable. Right? So there again, you can, we can talk about that for a long time, but, but church membership is even just an implied in the biblical requirement of Christians to be submitted to a group of church leaders when you read that in the scriptures. Okay? The Bible speaks of three different people in the church. He's got church members. It talks about the laity and, and those who are, are, are just members of church. There's deacons, and then there's pastors, okay? Pastors, you'll, you'll see the word overseer, pastor, bishop, and elder. You'll see all the, those words all used, and it's talking about the same person, okay, or group of people. There can be multiple elders, um, pastors, overseers, Okay? But the point here is that without membership, who is the, who is the New Testament referring to who, who must, to who they must submit to a specific group of leaders? Who are the people that's supposed to submit to those leaders? Okay? And who is it that affirms those leaders? Because those leaders don't just exist on their own. There has to be an affirmation of, yes, that's who we, is our leader right? by that body of people. 
okay? This stuff is all through the New Testament, how the church relates to its leaders, okay? So like Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. That's very serious. I'll give an account. Our staff, those who are in leadership, will give an account for how we watched over your souls. I'll give an account for that. It says, let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Okay? So there's a definable, who, who is that? Who am I responsible for? I, I need to know who is it that I will be held accountable for at, as a pastor as I keep watch over your souls. Is that just any Christian in the community? Is that just anybody that lives in Granger County or East Tennessee or... Is that the universal church? Because that's where people go, I'm a part of the universal church. Christians everywhere. Well, there's only like four places it even speaks about the universal church in the Bible. The rest of the places it's talking about a local gathering. It's referring to this church or that church, local gathering. Okay? And you have no universal church without the local church as far as how Jesus himself even defines it. Okay? There's an implied local church with the universal church, okay? We'll talk about that more in just a moment. But 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, and 13 says, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Okay, there again. Who, who are those? Who do I have charge over? Who's the membership and who are the leaders, right? 1 Timothy 5, 17, 18. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worth, worthy of his wages. Okay? How does any of that, that work, leadership and submission, if there's no defined membership that is committed to being led? And no understanding of who has been chosen as those leaders. Okay? If we downplay the importance of membership, it's, it's very difficult to see how we could take these commands and submit to lead seriously and practically. And be led seriously and practically. Okay? So just in that, it's implied. The local church membership is also implied in the way that Scripture requires elders to care for the flock in their charge. Acts twenty twenty eight. Okay, this is this is addressed to. If you read before this, it, it says it's to the elders at the church at Ephesus. Okay, not the universal church, the local church, the elders at the church at Ephesus. It says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Okay? This verse doesn't say that uh, a pastor, an elder, can't visit unbelievers or those who are not members, but it does make, make clear that I, those leaders have a responsibility to a particular flock. Okay? How are they to know who their flock is? as we just talked about. How am I and the staff and deacons to know who is the flock that we're responsible for? For whom will I give an account for? First Peter 5, 2 and 3. Shepherd the flock of God among you, 
Notice that's very specific, among you. That's talking about the local church, not the universal church, okay? Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, not yet as lording it over those, listen to what it says, allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock, okay? Who are those here at Tikar that are allotted to my charge? You have to know that, okay? It's just another way to say there's a membership of the church, okay? If a person does not want to be held accountable by a group of elders or be in the care of that group of elders, they're going to resist the idea of membership, okay? And they will resist God's appointed way for them to live and given a, and how they've been given a way that God has prescribed for the perseverance of their faith. That, that's, that's why this local body exists and what, what, what God's doing through that is to help each other in what's called the perseverance of the saints and persevering in our faith. We're here for one another, okay? I mean, your patience will grow and you'll get better if you just become a member of a church, I promise, right? Hopefully you understand that. You know, you pay, pay for pray, pay, pay. pray for patience. Say that 15 times fast, okay? Pray for patience. The way you learn it is through difficulty, okay? So you get, you just become part of a church. You'll, you'll grow in a lot of areas of your life, in grace and mercy and patience and love, all those things. You either grow or you'll run. Like I said, it'll be fight or flight, right? And hopefully you'll fight for it and fight for healthy relationships, right? If not, people resist it. They go away from it, okay? And the most notable, probably most profound way that the Bible speaks of membership in the church is this metaphor of the body of Christ. There's like no way past this. This It's the most evident, and one would have to outright just deny the Scriptures without understanding in order to dismiss church membership. It's even where we get the use of the word member, okay? 1 Corinthians 12, just, just looking at two verses out of 1 Corinthians. First and 2 Corinthians have a lot in it about members and what, how we're to function in the church and spiritual gifts and, and, and how we're to serve and that kind of thing. Great stuff to read for this series. But 1 Corinthians 12, like even verse 12, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, okay, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also in, is Christ. Okay? Verse 27 says, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church. It goes on in verse 28 to say, God has appointed in the church, it's a local church, because he, he's talking about the body and all these members of the body of Christ. But then he breaks it down and says, In the local church, he's given those members to do these things, and he goes through this list of there's some that teach and some that preach and some that have these spiritual gifts and some that have other spiritual gifts, and here's how these people serve and here's how these people serve in that local church as members of that local body, right? The original meaning of the word member is member of a body, like hand, foot, eye, or ear, right? talks about it that way in, the, in those passages. That's the imagery behind the word member, in the text. So how does it make any sense that a member would be disconnected from the body? 
okay? What, what happens if a part of your body is not connected? If I cut my finger off and I just let it lay over there and do what it wants to do, what's going to happen to it? It's going to die, right? Cut my hand off. Some of you, I may get those and bring them back, but some of you remember I did this series 10 years ago about church membership and had the jars with the, it had fake hands and stuff in it and feet behind me and the little jars with the yellow, like formaldehyde-looking stuff, right? And it's like, that's, that's pe- Christians who are, say they're Christians but aren't part of a church, local body of believers, that's what, it, that's, that's what they look like. And there's no growth. You don't get that growth apart from the body. You can't become everything God has designed you to be apart from the body of Christ without being a part of a local church. It's just the way the Scriptures, New Testament, say it's set up. Okay, you'll become very stagnant, and if not, and start to go backwards. And you know that, like everybody, like listening to this goes, yeah, you know, when I when I'm not engaged in church, I don't read my Bible as much, I don't pray as much, I don't, and all of a sudden, I, you know, I start going backwards a little bit. Or else you don't recognize it at all going into that darkness, okay? But it's what happens when, if a body part is not connected to the body, it dies. So how does someone come up with the idea that they aren't to be a part of the body of Christ, that I don't have to be in community with other believers? I don't care if you want to you get into this, well, universal church. Well, how are you a part of the body of universal church then? Because if you're not engaged with other Christians locally, you're not. You can be, I mean, all it is is I'm part of the universal church in theory, I guess. But you're not really. How, How does somebody come up with the idea that they aren't to be a part of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, which is the church? And then you got this the people who want the benefits of the body, but not belong to the body. They want all the nourishment from the body. They want, you know, they're supposed to care for me, and I'm supposed to get medical attention, and I'm supposed to, you know, be fed and get all this stuff from the body, but I don't want to be responsible to do anything for the body. Right? Well, I'm not, you know, give me blood, feed me, right? But don't expect me to help the rest of the body or be accountable for my actions to the body. A lot of Christians want the benefits of community, of believers and don't want to be in the community of believers. Like, how, how, are you, how do you expect that to work? <coughs> I've seen people get mad and upset when people don't care for them, even though they've always opted out of small groups, always opted out of really engaging with people and didn't want to not co- be a cooperating part of the church. <coughs> but yet something happens and they want all the benefits of the community, but they never wanted to be a part of community. You don't get the benefits of community when you're not connected to community. It just doesn't. I mean, there may be some grace and mercy that comes your way and people that just minister to you, but you won't get the full benefits of walking in community with people when you're not a part of community. Now, I could go on and on and on if you want. Okay, I will. Um, now, okay. But you, can, you really can. You can go on and on and on about scriptures that define us as family, brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's how the family works together. So what's a family? You just not ever get together or do life together, right? Talks about us as co-laborers in Christ, right? Talks about first taking care of those inside the church and then those outside the church when it comes to benevolent type, type stuff, right? 
So if we first are supposed to take care of those inside the church, then those outside the church, who are those inside the church? How do you define that? And what group are we responsible for here at TCAR? Right? The, the, on and on and on, the Bible talks about our membership, defined responsibilities, opportunities, the blessings of how God uses that to work. It's just all through the whole New Testament's that way. But the simplicity of what you see here is that we as believers are the body of Christ and therefore are members belonging to one another and should not be detached. Membership has deep meaning and is really important. Okay? So we believe here at TCAR that you should be at TCAR if this is where God says you are to belong, right? It's where God has you. Even if eventually you move somewhere else or you're just here for a season, whatever season of life you're in, or maybe you're here for the rest of your life. I don't know. But it's, if it's where God has you, then be here at TCAR. And by be, we mean belong and engage, right? It, it is a New Testament expectation for all believers to be a member of a local church. That's, that's what I see here. That's God's plan for us and for his church. And so that's what we mean by membership. It is the way God has designed this to work. The local church is the manifest expression of the universal church. Okay? The universal church does not exist without the local church in the way the Bible describes it. To belong to the body is to belong to a body. You get that? So how are you doing with that on the micro-personal level? Think through this in, for your own life. The New Testament knows of no Christians who were not accountable members of local churches in the sense of what we've just seen. Okay? Lone Ranger Christians are a contradiction because becoming a Christian means being united with Christ and union with Christ expresses itself in union with a local body of believers. Okay? And it seems to me that the, in the New Testament, that to be excluded from the local church, you can go so far as to say this, when, when the local church was, basically it says you treat them as unbelievers. You don't even have a meal with them. Unrepentant members who are put out of the church, so you, you, you could even say it this way, to be excluded from the local church was to be, to be excluded from Christ because you're no longer a part of his body. This is why the issue of membership is so important. Are you an accountable member of a local church? Not just is your name somewhere. You know, because people, you know, as a chaplain, you often visit homes or even if I'm out with people and I meet somebody, hey, this is so-and-so, this friend of mine, blah, blah, blah. And they find out you're a pastor. Somewhere in the conversation, they want to make sure and tell you they go to some church or a member somewhere. Because they, they just think as a pastor, you're ready to pounce. Like you're just walking around seeking who you may devour to get into your church, right? As though it's a bad thing or like you're just, you know, do you want people to come to your church? Sure, you know, but it's not like you're standing there just ready to drag them down the road and sign them up. But it's, it's you know, they, they, they have that mentality, but it's people like to say, yeah, I, yeah I'm a member of so and so such church. I had a conversation with a guy. He, and I and I said, uh, ask him why he didn't go to church. Well, if I was going to go, I'd go to where I belong. Well, where's that? Well, it's across the mountain somewhere, or it's down the road somewhere. What you know, doesn't go in a part of it. But if he was going to go, he'd go where his name's on that list. 
you know, even though he's not been a part of, it's, it's where's God calling you to, and where, where can you be a part of a local body of believers and grow? It's, a, it's out of concern for a person's spiritual health. Are you a com- an accountable member of a local church? Not just is your name somewhere, but are you committed to being disciplined according to biblical standards? Have you publicly declared your willingness to, to be shepherded and to be led by the leaders of a local church? Do you see yourself and your gifts as part of this organic ministering body of Christ? Do you show by your attachment to Christ's body that you're attached to Christ? Think about it this way. This is how important this is. Church membership is a blood-bought gift of God's grace to be a part of what God is doing in the world. Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. It's what Christ is doing in the world is building this thing called the church, which is its people. It's the body of Christ. So are we working together to see that happen? Don't take it lightly. Don't miss out of the great blessing and great growth that can happen and what you can have by not belonging and engaging. I want to read you something Matt Chandler wrote. He wrote this. He said, if you view church as some sort of ecclesiological buffet, then you severely limit the likelihood of your growing into maturity. Growth into godliness can, can hurt. Amen? For instance, as I interact with others in my own local body, my own slothfulness and zeal is exposed, as is my lack of patience, my prayerlessness, and my hesitancy to associate with the lowly. He quotes Mark's Romans 12, 11 through 16. Yet this interaction also gives me the opportunity to be lovingly confronted by brothers and sisters who are, the, who are in the trenches with me, as well as a safe place to confess and repent. But when church is just a place you attend without ever joining, like an ecclesiological buffet, you just might consider whether you're always leaving whenever your heart begins to be exposed by the Spirit and the real work is beginning to happen. You understand that? People don't join because they they get, oh my gosh, I'm changing, I'm growing, and they, they get scared of that and they run from it. He says, what is the bottom line? Local church membership is a question of biblical obedience, not personal preference. That's what he wrote. Okay? So hopefully through this and what we've read this morning, you'll see the importance of being a part of the body of Christ. So let's pray together this morning. Father, I thank you for Jesus that this thing we can be a part of called the church, the body of believers, the local expression. We thank you for that blood-bought gift of your grace. Thank you for the blood shed for our sin that can bring us forgiveness. Thank you for the, the body that was broken for us that now we are the pieces of that you're putting together. Thank you that now as his body, we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for that. We can take the gospel to the ends of the earth. 
Father, as your word says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. May, may we work in tandem together as your body to share the gospel, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray today that these words from your scriptures would open our hearts and our minds to your church and what you have designed what you have designed for each of us to be, for, for us to increase in joy in you. May those looking to belong, Father, those looking to engage, may they, may that leap happen here, if not somewhere. Would you help them find where that is there to be? Help each of us here today and those listening online to find our place in your body. May we all move forward today, Father, and not step back, but embrace even the hard truths that you have set before us. And so we pray all of this in Jesus' name.